Welcome to the Israel Bible Podcast. My name is Cindy Parker, and I am an author, a speaker, and the professor of Holy Land Studies at Israel Bible Center. I am passionate about reading the Bible in the physical, historical, and cultural context of its day. And I really love having geeky conversations with people about new things. In this podcast, I'd like to invite you to join me as I sit down each week with other faculty members of IBC to discover and talk about new aspects of the Bible. These are some of my favorite dialogues because as a modern audience reading an ancient text, we know that the Bible does not need to be rewritten, but it needs to be reread. Welcome back to the podcast. I am continuing a conversation with Dr. Nicholas Shazer about his course titled, All Israel Will Be Saved. We started the conversation last week with a quick introduction to the context in Rome and who Paul's audience was. Then we talked about the possible meaning behind Paul's use of the phrase works of the law and why it is that Paul did not want Gentiles to do the work of the law. So go back and listen to last week's episode. If you missed it, it is really fascinating. You can always listen on our website, israelbiblecenter.com, or from any of the podcast distributors like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Be sure to click the button to like or to follow us so that you don't miss out on any of these fun conversations. Last week's conversation led me to a natural question. Paul seems adamant that Gentiles don't take on Jewish identity markers, right? But why? Why is it in Paul's mind that Jews and Gentiles need to remain separate? Why is it that Jews should be Jews, Gentiles should be Gentiles? even if both communities are being invited to understand Jesus as Messiah. Good. Wonderful question. Uh, Right. So you'd want to say, you know, I thought we're all equal in God's eyes. Why this ethnic distinction? And then you'd almost, you know, a knee-jerk reaction almost is to go to a text like Galatians 3.28, where Paul says, in Christ and Christo, there's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no male and female, but everyone is one in Christ Jesus. So you can point to that and say, see, there's no Jew or Greek anymore. There's no ethnic distinctions. Well, the problem with that is, is that's Galatians 3.28. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul talks about himself and his fellow Jews and says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. So he makes a distinction between Jews and Gentiles. He gets upset with Peter for pulling back from eating at table with Gentiles when certain others come into town. And Paul says, how can you, a Jew who lives like a Gentile, right, expect Gentiles to live like Jews? <laughs> so that is in the same text, uh, one chapter prior, actually, in, Ge- in Galatians chapter 2, Paul's making distinctions between Jews and Gentiles. To get to Romans, our, our you know text of discussion, Paul does the same thing in that, right at the beginning, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, because it's the power of God for all who, de- who believe to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. In the very next chapter, Romans chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, that, that the unrighteous, there'll be fierce wrath for them to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. In uh, Romans 3.29, Paul says, Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? 
And, and Paul says, God is the God of the Gentiles also. But but the point is, is that they're make, Paul's making this distinction between Jews and Gentiles. And when we get into Romans 9 through 11, the word Jew is going to turn into the word Israel. And it's going to be Gentiles versus Israel. But it's the same concept. Gentiles and Jews, Gentiles and Israel, these two groups need to stay separate. Now the question is, Cindy, as you asked, why? Here's the answer. In Paul's reading of Scripture, Paul says at the end of Romans, this is Romans chapter 16, look, my gospel isn't necessarily anything new. Um, there are new elements to it, but what Paul says is, this has actually been shown in the prophets from the time when Israel's scriptures were written. That is, the prophets attest to what I'm saying, and now it's been revealed in reality this is the time, and it's been revealed through Jesus. What is Paul talking about that has been in the prophets? Well, what Paul means is that distinction between Jews and Gentiles. So if you read through texts like Isaiah chapter 2, the end times, the acharit hayamim in Hebrew, the end of days, the picture is of Jews in Jerusalem worshiping the God of Israel and all the nations streaming to Jerusalem to be, to be taught things by Jews— for, to teach the way of worship of God. But in, in Isaiah chapter 2, they don't themselves convert to Judaism and become Jews. That is, Isaiah doesn't talk about Gentiles being circumcised. Or, you know, at the towards the end of Isaiah, same, same principle, Isaiah 54, Isaiah 66, all of these other nations stream to Jerusalem and worship the God of Israel, but they stay the nations, and the Jews stay Israel. Zechariah 8.23, in that day, at the end of days, says Zechariah, 10 men from the nations will grab onto the robe of one Jew and say, bring us to uh, worship of your God because we've heard that God is with you. So that is, even in the end of days, on Paul's reading, Gentiles stay Gentiles and Jews stay Jews. This goes all the way back to Genesis. The primary blessing God gives to Abram in Genesis chapter 12 is... I'm going to make you a great nation, Abram. That's going to be Israel. And through that nation, all the other families of the earth will be blessed. God reiterates this to Jacob later on. So the point there is on Paul's reading, and I think this is a, a very good reading <laughs> with which I agree, is that if, okay, so God's main foundational promise to Abram is I'll make you a nation here, and then through that one nation, all the other nations of the world will be blessed. For Paul, every time a Gentile male gets circumcised, that person turns into Israel, is, is made Jewish, enters into the children of Israel. So if that happens often enough, then there's no more nations of the world everyone becomes Israel. And if everyone becomes Israel, then there are no other nations left for Israel to bless. That is, every time a Gentile is circumcised, it begins to unravel God's promise to Abram in Paul's eyes. I, I say this to groups often. If you remember the, the movie, um, It's a Wonderful Life. At the end, you know, the little girl says to Jimmy Stewart, hey, daddy, look, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Yeah. And I say, for Paul, every time a Gentile gets circumcised, an angel loses his wings. <laughs> but anyway, that's the, ba that's the basic makeup. It's not about, let me be clear on this, it's not about the fact that God loves the Jewish people in Christ more than God loves the Gentile people in Christ. It's not a theological differentiation, it's an ethnic, external, outward, to go back to Jewish identity markers. 
That is, it's an it's a national ethnic distinction. It's not an internal spiritual theological one. Paul bends over backwards to say that Gentiles have been adopted into this family and receive all the same blessings that Jewish people do, that Israel does. So it's not about that, and it's not a it's not like a need for Paul to you know take certain blessings or certain advantages away from Gentiles in this. But rather, Paul's just being a good Bible reader. And Paul knows that from the beginning in Genesis, the blessing to Abram, all the way to the end, to the end of days with the prophets, Jews and Gentiles stay separate, ethnically, socially. I, I shouldn't say necessarily socially, because uh, they're all together under one umbrella, socially worshiping the same God. But there's, um, there's an ethnic component that remains distinct, even in Christ. And I think this is where some of the the tricky aspects of the conversation are, because as Christian communities are being reminded in a lot more recent decades that Jesus was Jewish and necessarily fell in this line of history of God interacting with his people and, and Jesus kept these external markers of being Jewish among the Gentile nations. And then Gentile Christians are like, oh, we're trying to be like Jesus. Does it mean we should be Jewish? And that mm. I think that's where some of the confusion resides. And it sounds like you're saying that Paul's answer would be no, <laughs> just you yeah. get to belong because Jesus was Jewish and is the fulfillment of this Jewish story. But you yourselves can remain Gentile and receive the same benefit. Exactly right. That's right. And again, that that's the whole story of the Bible. So this is this is the problem with it comes from a, I I understand the place from which it comes. So a Gentile person wants to be like Jesus. That's fabulous. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, a Gentile person wants to follow what certain texts of the Bible say. You know, um, you know. So hey, it says whatever. Follow the Sabbath. That's in the Ten Commandments. So you know, I should do that. Um, God tells Israel to wear fringes on their garments. Maybe I should do that. Like I understand. I definitely get it. Uh, it's just that Paul would not want Gentiles doing certain outward things. What I always jokingly kind of say, and this may not translate well to a, um, a podcast, but Paul would want Gentiles to be Jewish, but not Jewish. Right. <laughs> okay, so th that is, again, to go back to that 1 Corinthians chapter 5 thing, Paul certainly wants Gentiles following certain commands of the Torah. I would go as far as to say that Paul wants Gentiles doing most of the commands of the Torah. Most of the commands of the Torah don't affect one's ethnic status. It's really only a handful. I talk about the 2% of the Torah that Gentiles shouldn't do. And, and you know what? Think of it this way. As a, if, if you're a Gentile person, right, as a Gentile person, and I can include myself in this, in, in deciding not to do certain external Jewish identity marking commands, I'm doing actually what God, according to Paul, wants me to do. So that is... You are fulfilling God's will as a Gentile person in refraining from a few things. And that's just, and again, the, the, the refraining from a few things has zero to do with your standing before God. Zero. Um, it has everything to do with maintaining the vision of the prophets. Because again, the whole point is not for everyone to become Israel. God wants the whole world 
in its diversity to come under the umbrella of one God. If I could back up just a little bit, I talked about Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Well, what's the chapter right before that? It's the Tower of Babel, where the, all of humanity is spread across the face of the earth, and each place you know, finds its own national borders and has their own gods and culture, right? So what God then sets out to do in Abram is to bring back everyone under the umbrella of the one true God of Israel. And the way God decided to do that is to pick one person, Abram, and then Abram's family, and then that would be one nation, you know, created into Israel, and through that one nation, all the other families of the earth come back. But if all the other families of the earth become that one nation, then it ruins God's whole agenda, right? That, that is, then, then what God wants to happen at the end, the checkmate at the end of the world, as it were, doesn't happen the way God has laid it out. So again, for Gentiles to do certain Jewish identity markers is literally to unravel God's promises to Abram, and literally the entire point of the Bible. So th there it is. There we go. We solved the Bible here on the podcast. That's right. <laughs> As someone who teaches Hebrew Bible in seminaries and in churches, one of the questions I am asked or assumptions I run up against in Christian communities is what do Christians have to do with the Israelite law? Aren't Christians saved through grace and not works? Isn't the God of the New Testament more gracious and loving than the violent and demanding God of the Old Testament? Ooh, violence. We need to cover that issue someday, but not this day. One massive topic at a time. Okay, so while I had Dr. Shazer with me, I wanted to ask him to clarify this issue for us because Paul spends a lot of time in chapters 9 through 11 establishing an idea of righteousness through faith and righteousness through works of Torah. And he seems to pit those things against each other. So how does this faith in God interact with observing Torah? And are those two different things? Another great question, a great topic to discuss, and, and another very complicated one. So Paul's constantly going to be talking about uh, works of the law, but he's also going to say, you know, salvation doesn't come through works of the law. It comes through the faith of Jesus Christ, or sometimes faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get into the uh, genitive Greek problem of <laughs> translating that. That's just too much for us this morning. Um, maybe later, uh, maybe in another podcast. There are books written about that, which is amazing. That's right. Yeah. And just briefly, the question is in the Greek, is it is it the faithfulness of Jesus Christ that saves us, or is it our faith in Jesus Christ, of or in? And the Greek can be translated both ways, so it makes it a little bit difficult. But for our purposes, Paul's going to say, look, salvation um, makes it has made itself known in Jesus apart from the law. He says that in Romans explicitly. So that is, how are you made righteous? First of all, how are you saved? Paul's going to talk a lot about salvation. In Romans chapter 10, he says, you know, anyone who believes in their, confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. Now, not they are saved right now. That's a kind of uh, interesting difference. It's another kind of trope, right? I lived in the South for many years when I was doing my graduate degree. 
And there was a constant question in churches, right? Like, are you saved? You know? And, and my kind of response would be like, not yet, <laughs> right? <laughs> According to Paul in Romans. Now, Paul uses sozo and soterion language, uh, sa- salvation language in different ways. But in Romans, it's very clear. When Paul's talking about salvation, Paul's talking about the day of judgment. When everyone's raised from the dead at the end of days, that acharit hayamim, there's going to be two groups. One that goes into God's eternal kingdom and lives with God forever, and the other one that doesn't. And Paul's going to talk about the group that doesn't as receiving wrath in Greek, orge. And so what you're saved from is the wrath at the end of days, according to Romans. So the question is, what saves you on that day? Is it works of the law or is it faith? Now, remember, Paul's talking to Gentiles primarily in all of his letters, but also in Romans, I think. So the question is posed to Gentiles. Are you saved through faith or are you saved through works of the law? It's clear that some Gentiles thought that salvation could come through works of the law, and Paul labors to say that's, that's not the case. Now, in Christian history, the problem has been that Gentile readers, Gentile Christian readers, have assumed that Paul is battling against a Jewish idea. Um, that is, the way that Jewish people understand their own Torah and their own scriptures is that their works of the law earn their salvation or earn their righteousness before God. Now, what we really have to remember here, though, is Paul is addressing Gentiles. So it's not actually a Jewish question that he's addressing. It is a misunderstanding of the Torah, of the Jewish scriptures, among Gentiles that he is trying to combat. Um, Again, to go back to Galatians, I mentioned it before. This is Galatians chapter 2. Paul says, we are Jews by birth but and not Gentile sinners. Okay, We're not Gentiles like you are. But we know, we Jews know, that no one is made righteous by works of the law. Interesting. And in saying that, Paul is actually citing Psalm 143. So this is in the Tanakh. This is in Israel scriptures. The psalmist says, Lord, you know, don't deal with me based on my works, based on what I've done, because in your sight, no one will be made righteous. That, and the, and the, the text says, Lord, look on me in your faithfulness, in your faith. That is what's going to save me. Because in your eyes, we all fall short, and and no amount of work is going to make us righteous. So Paul is alluding to that psalm when he tells the Gentiles this. So that is, Jewish people never understood themselves to be working their way to God through works of the law. It's always been the faithfulness of God that saves, not their own works that are doing it. It's just that Gentiles think that by doing works of the law, getting circumcised, you know, eating certain things or avoiding other certain things. Doing these things is going to earn their righteousness or earn their salvation to God. But Jews have never thought that. I I point us back to Exodus chapter 20, the, the giving of the Torah, the giving of the Ten Commandments. What's the first thing that God says? I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Then the next term is, Um, you shall have no other gods besides me. So the first comment of the Ten Commandments is, I took you out of Egypt. That's grace, plus no works, right? So that is, God saves Israel from slavery before they could do any works. They were slaves in Egypt, and there was no Torah. They come out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 14. The Torah is not given until Exodus chapter 20. So the point is, the law is built on grace, and without grace, the law can't function at all. And 
what saves is God's grace. And then you do the law to keep the relationship running smoothly. This is the exact summary, by the way, that that classic second, um, that classic text uh, of, of um, Ephesians chapter two. Cindy, you, you mentioned it just a, a while ago. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works that anyone should boast. Okay, that's Exodus. You're, it's by God's grace that you've been saved through your faith, your trust that God can do this, not by works. You have not been saved by works. And then, the, interesting, the next verses in, in Ephesians 2 say, but you've been saved in order to do good works. Okay, that is it in a nutshell. The works of the law don't save, but the works of the law help the relationship, the salvific and saved person have a good relationship with God. So this is not a problem of Judaism. It's not a problem of Israelite religion. No Israelite worth their biblical salt would have said, I believe that I'm working my way to God through my works of the law. God saved me. I'm in a covenant with God because I'm Jewish. <laughs> I was born into this covenant. And now it's up to me to keep doing the works of the law in order to maintain right relations or a smooth relationship with God. And it's just that for Paul, his Gentile readers don't understand this. So again, it's a Gentile problem, not a Jewish problem, the idea that one might be able to work their way to God through works. Hmm. It's such an important distinction to be made. And, and it's good to kind of put the emphasis in a different place, going back to Deuteronomy, because it's amazing. Deuteronomy over and over is like, well, God is the one who's king. You're going to act and behave this way so that you're reflecting who God is, like in reality, in the world. So you're doing things again, exactly like you said, not to be saved or to earn anything, but to actually reflect well who God is. Like Absolutely you take care right. of the poor because God takes care of the poor, <laughs> right? Like you have yeah. compassion because God has compassion. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Really good to be like when we get into these really dense Pauline theological conversations, really good to, to be reminded <laughs> what kind of context he's coming out of this Israelite context is, Absolutely is right. really about just reflecting the true character of who God is. I think that's beautifully put. Cindy, and I, I, I think it's really important to, to underscore that because, you know, there's been this kind of, um, you know, historical, bizarre relationship that Christians have with the Torah. This idea that somehow, like, that Paul's message is, you know, we're set free from the Torah or something, you know? Um, no, no, no. You're set free from sin, according to Paul in Romans chapter 6 and 7. You're not set free from the Torah itself. Wait, wait. Rewind. You're set free from sin, according to Paul in Romans chapter 6 and 7. You're not set free from the Torah itself. That is what I thought he said. Hmm, very interesting. In fact, Paul says at the end of Romans 3, this is Romans 3.31, by our faith do we annul, make void the law? No, by no means, God forbid. No, 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 through our faith we uphold the law. Because that's what God does. We want to echo and mirror God. And we have to remember, it's the God of Israel. It's Jesus's father in heaven who gave the Torah. <laughs> so that is, I would say, it's probably best practices for Gentile Christians not to have an antagonistic relationship with the Torah. Remember, this is God's words. <laughs> so <laughs> right. there's nothing wrong with the Torah. 
uh, Paul is actually going to say that that human sin gets in the way of of the Torah and and bungles our ability to to upkeep it. Not that it's impossible to keep, by the way. I think that's another fallacy that we hear uh, in churches quite often, the idea that, oh, the Torah is impossible to uphold anyway, so we might as well just not do it. There's not even a, a whiff of that in the New Testament literature. In fact, the opposite is true. Paul says that even before he meets Jesus, you know, he says in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews and Israelites of the tribe of Benjamin. As to the righteousness in the law, blameless. Now, interestingly, Paul does not say, as to the righteousness in the law, saved. As to the righteousness in the law, righteous. Paul doesn't say that because the, the law does not save or make righteous. Paul says, I was blameless vis-a-vis the stuff that you were talking about, Cindy. The stuff that God does, giving to the poor, following Torah, doing these things. I was blameless. I did it just like God does. But I wasn't saved through the law. Now, unfortunately, many English translations of that passage in Philippians say, Paul says, as to the righteousness under the law, I was blameless. That is not what it says. It does not say hupo, under. It says n, in. So what is Paul saying? I'm not, you're not made righteous under the law. <laughs> that is, you can't go under the law and you become righteous by going under it. Paul, what Paul says, is, as to the righteousness in the law, what is he talking about? God's righteousness that God imbued into the law. And by that righteous standard, Paul was blameless. Not himself made righteous through it or saved. But blameless, right? Okay, so this is how it works, and it's actually way more I simple love it. That's so, than most like, of us give it credit for. The Hebrew prophets were like that too. Oh, so yes, beautiful! Absolutely. I love, and, I love exactly how you put it. It's so I'm going to borrow that from my prophets class because it's so fantastic. I'm sorry, so I interrupted it's, you. It's, no, no, no. It's so it's just just as a just to say as a, in summary, it is complicated. It's complex, but there are a few you know chess pieces that we can move. There are a few puzzle pieces that we can put in place. And actually, once we do that, it's just a few moves. We can step back, and it actually, the puzzle looks a lot clearer. It takes some understanding of history and archaeology and Judaic culture, which Israel Bible Center is here to help you to do. That's our entire reason for existing. And so once you get a couple things in line, everything starts to look a lot more in place. If you want to explore history and archaeology and Judaic culture, join us at IsraelBibleCenter.com. You will have access to a very large collection of courses and roundtable talks with the added bonus of other participants from around the world. It's one of the things I love is this diverse perspectives that are all available. One quick announcement before I go. New episodes of Israel Bible Podcasts are now available on Wednesday mornings, early in the morning. It's a good reason to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It is still free, as always, but you automatically get the download, and you don't have to worry about missing out on any of these fabulous conversations. Thank you to Jeremy McDonald for Mason Jar Music for doing an amazing job mixing, editing, and crafting all the good sounds you hear. And thank you for hanging in there with me through this conversation and being curious about all things Bible-related. <laughs>